if you're trying to figure out the next suburb, the next market that will actually grow by a huge amount in the property industry, in the property market, then I'll be telling you exactly the useless data that you should largely be ignoring and the useful data you should really be microscoping down on. And I'll give you two data factors, two data factors that can really help you do the hard work, the lion's share of the work when it comes to understanding the balance between supply and demand. Because like everything in life, prices are a product of supply and demand. Do you want to achieve wealth and passive income through property investing? PK Gupta, host of Oz Property Investment Mastery, will help you achieve passive income by buying top 5% growth and positive cash flow property and building a portfolio using data without you wasting months of time doing research, spending weekends at inspections, or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents each time. So if you are confused and overwhelmed by the amount of contradictory information available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. First of all, there's really three challenges with data, all right? Everyone says, I mean, if you've been following my channel, you know that data is king. You know that data is paramount. Data is how I built my own portfolio. I go through specific data factors and prove to you why this year, 2021, will finish this year with at least 20 to 25% growth across you know Australia and the property market and I've proven to you using data factors why next year is not going to be a crash it's not going to be a slump it will continue to do so booms normally last for two to three years right seldom have booms not lasted for at least three years so this one is going to be no dissimilar based on looking at previous booms we looked at different world war booms we looked at what happened before the GFC and that boom and how it compares to this boom, but useless data, all right? There's three challenges with data. The first challenge is that data is just information. So, right, you're, you're probably absorbing what the media is saying. You're probably absorbing what your friends and family are saying, what people are saying on podcasts. You might have been searching uh, forums. There's a lot of information out there, and I know you're overwhelmed Everyone's saying a different thing. People have different levels of expertise, different agendas, all that kind of thing. So it's just information. Don't just go by what one person is saying, or more importantly, don't just go by what one data point is saying and take it as gospel. That is just one part of the puzzle. There is no website, guys. I get this question every single day. There's no one website. I don't care what that website is. There is no single website that gives you everything that you need. There is no single website that allows you to interpret everything you need. All right. Everything is part of a puzzle. So that's the first thing I want to say that the challenge with data is it's just information. Data doesn't automatically equate to knowledge or wisdom. Number one. Number two, not all data sources are equal. Right? Like you heard what the banks said, all four major banks. I mean, I, I studied econometrics, you know, to a large extent, an economist in, in a previous life. These big, big, big economists at big four banks, whether they're retail banks or investment banks, they were all predicting a 10 to 30 or 40% crash last year in the property market. None, none of that actually transpired. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that even predicting right now. 
um, what will happen to the property market up and down. You know, everyone's an expert in Australia. Everyone has an agenda, including me. You know, not no one's doing this as charity work. So the thing is that you need to understand where the sources are coming from. Not all data is equal. Not even all sources are equal. I can, I can tell you, you can go to CoreLogic RP Data, which is the most popular, um, you could say, source for mainstream data. And even that is not all reliable. It doesn't actually tell you the statistical reliability of the bar charts, the pie charts, all that kind of thing. So you really need to, you know, get in and really understand the fidelity of what you're consuming. Um, that's number two challenge. Um, and the number three challenge is that whoever's telling you about what the property market is going to do, or whoever's telling you about what you should be doing in the property market, where you should be investing, what you should be investing in, the type of dwelling, when you should be investing, all of this advice has very, very, very little risk. All right? I mean, how many of you are taking this advice from someone who, you know, is you know, incredibly qualified, both in terms of their education, but also experience. Most of people, you guys are consuming this from someone like me, a random YouTuber, although I'd like to think I'm more qualified than that. Um, you're consuming it from the media, from news.com, from SMH, you're consuming it from the banks. Like if the banks told you that the property market is going to crash by 30% and you held off and you didn't invest, like many of you didn't, and now it's actually gone up by 20%, you know, they're not held to account. No one's really being held to account in the property market. And anyone who's telling you any advice, unless you're paying them, they're, they're not really, you know, being held to account. And even if you are paying them, like let's say a buyer's agent, not to pick on them, but a buyer's agent, it's a transaction. You know, you're paying them money and they're getting you a, a property, whether it grows or not, there's no skin in the game from their perspective. You've just outsourced the accountability, and it may or may not transpire. So that's the third thing. You know, there's very little risk in people giving you data, in giving you advice, and so then you have to take it with a grain of salt. So where does that all lead us? Like, you know, where am I going with this? What is, what can I tell you that will actually benefit you? Well, the first thing that will benefit you is that you do not need to be overwhelmed by information. You do not need to be overwhelmed by data. You know, when you listen to the podcast, they're all saying different things, they're laying, layering on um, a lot of different data points. When you listen to the articles or read the articles, the forums, everyone's got a different thing. You know, the whole agenda is to make it sound so complicated that then you need to pay 20000 or 15000 to a buyer's agent who has all the answers. You know, I, I know what it feels like to be on the other side of that fence. You know, when you're just starting out or you're not too experienced, you sort of think that these professionals, um, they, you know, have all these answers, that they are on the ground, they know that secret market that no one else knows, that they know that secret location that only they're investing in for their clients. And that if you pay them money, then all of a sudden the world opens up for you as if you're Moses trying to cross the river and, you know, the, the waters will part and you'll just go through and get this amazing solution. That is not how it works. I know it seems hard. I know that, you know, you sort of think, oh, look, I'm reading here. 
that you need to know about job volumes per industry. You know, all these buyers agents on their podcast say that you need a professional because you need to know about wage growth rates, about overseas migration trends, interstate migration trends, export volumes, commodity prices, retail trade numbers, GDP data, you know, median household demographics, their incomes, you know, dwelling ownership ratios, birth, death rates, employment rates, property sales volumes, here we go, days on market trends, volumes, vacancy rates, building completions, loan to asset ratios, you know, all of this stuff, they kind of make it out to seem like, you know, it's really, really hard. And I think if there's one thing that I want you to know, that there is no one that actually knows everything. And in fact, no one can predict using all of these factors simultaneously exactly what's going to happen. And in fact, it's much, much easier than you think. Why is it much, much easier than you think? Because actually the drivers that have the most impact on property markets are actually less than 10. I'll say that again. The drivers that have the most impact on which suburb is going to go up in the next two, three, four years and give you that positive cash flow, they are basically, you know, 80-20 rule. 80% of that prediction is done with less than five or eight factors. Okay, so you don't need to pay someone all this money because they have the silver bullet, because they have the magic formula. You know, actually, you really only need to know, you know, less than a dozen factors, but know them very well. Okay, because it's the 80-20 rule. So what, what are some factors that all these professionals tell you you need to be across, but actually don't matter at all? Okay, so based on my analysis... Um, based on regressions going back 30, 40 years in history and looking at how each of these factors correlate from a regression perspective with capital growth, four to five data factors that are just completely useless, you know, in predicting specific markets that are going to grow. The first one is change in median property values. Okay, so just because the last five years have been great doesn't mean that the next five years will be great. And just because the last five years haven't been great doesn't mean that the next five years won't be good either. Okay, so here's, here's a couple of examples. So let's say somewhere like, um, like Sydney, all right, from 2016 to 2020 or 19, you know, property prices were pretty average. So a lot of people were disappointed, but now we're seeing these areas really, really boom a lot. And now let's prove the opposite. Um, we'll give you another example, actually. Um, let's say Perth, South Perth. I, I won't mention a specific suburb, but I will mention a few in, in a second. South Perth, you know, really, really poor in the last seven, eight years. A lot of people are really hesitant to buy in Perth. But the data right now says that Perth will be probably the best capital city in terms of investing for the next two years. And even if it's not the best, it will definitely go up in the next one or two years by 10, 20, 25, 30%, especially these suburbs on the south side of Perth. And we're not talking 50 kilometers out, you know, far, far less than that. And so these haven't performed, but now will perform. Okay, so median value is not a good predictor. You know, history doesn't predict the future in terms of median prices. Okay, the next one, median household income 
to median household price. So how much do incomes predict what will happen in that suburb in the next two or three years? They have very limited predicting power in what will happen. Just because incomes have dropped off, you know, maybe 5-10% in a suburb, doesn't mean that prices won't go up in that suburb in the next, you know, 10 months or 20 months or 30 months. I'll give you an example. Places like um, South Adelaide, you know, around Christie Downs, you know, these are areas with very, like a lot of housing commission, incomes aren't great, they're not exactly increasing, but prices have already gone up 20% or 10 to 20%, literally just in the last six months. All right, so, you know, hopefully these are, by using examples, I'm starting to debunk um, some of these myths. And, and, you know, the same goes on the, on the other side as well. Just because incomes are growing, the Audis are turning into Mercedes or <laughs> Maseratis doesn't mean that house values are going up either. You know, let's look at somewhere like Mossman in Sydney. You know, incomes are going up, incomes are really strong, but housing, the price of houses doesn't always just go up in a linear fashion. Between 2002 to 2011, Mossman um, average incomes went up by like 40-50%, but housing values stayed flat. All right, next thing, unemployment. So this one kind of goes without saying. A lot of people say, okay, well, we need to understand the unemployment um, of, a, of a city. But even in a place where unemployment was increasing, let's say in Brisbane between um, 2012 to 2015, yes, in fact, unemployment was not going down in Brisbane. Brisbane was a remarkably good place to invest, not everywhere, between around 2013, 2015. A lot of places, you know, within... 10 to 20 k's of the city actually went up by 10, 20, 25 percent. So once again, you know, just because people say unemployment needs to come down doesn't actually mean that it does. Um, same thing with population. You know, population growth factors, I think went up to number four, population growth factors or population growth predictions or forecasts are inherently biased and inherently super, super fudgy. You know, there is no science that really goes into population forecasts, whether it's done by a council, whether it's done by a developer who's trying to sell land, whether it's um, done by a major infrastructure project, funder who's trying to get some buzz in the area, or anything, right? These are, you take 10 predictions of what, let's say, Morton Bay City Council is going to do in the next 10 years, and they're all different, and the standard deviation is huge, and the difference can be 20, 30 percent. You know, Melbourne um, always, you know, is tipped to, to beat Sydney in terms of, you know, next 30 years in terms of population rise. But is Melbourne property prices rising any faster than Sydney? No. And same goes for suburb levels. So population is one of those things that you can just throw out the window. I know it's counter consensus. Everyone is saying the, the opposite. It's because they have a huge agenda in bigging up the area, which they're talking about. And auction clearance rates. A lot of people say, look, auction clearance rates, they need to be at least 70, 80 percent. For us to say that an area is super strong, that demand is super strong. Once again, the reality is that auction clearance rates are super, super um, unreliable because many parts of Australia, especially outside of Melbourne and sort of premium Sydney, don't have auctions. All right, so the auction clearance rate is, you know, statistically unreliable. You might have five auctions in a month, and if you know one or two of them go really bad, then that really brings that percentage down. And even in areas like Melbourne, where auctions are very prevalent, even if the auction rate is, let's say, 50%, the clearance rate was 50%, like it was kind of mid-last year in Melbourne, 
um, still property prices can be growing very swiftly, much like in Melbourne, you know, from the middle of uh, last year to the end of last year. In many areas of Melbourne, you know, like let's say Caram Downs or other places, um, especially kind of southeast, property prices went up like 10, 15%. All right. So um, that is not a good predictor either. So you're kind of telling me, you're, you're sort of thinking, PK, all right. So you've told me that there's challenges with data, you know, that it's just information, number one. Number two, all data sources aren't equal. And number three, that, you know, you have to know where you're getting the data because there's very little accountability on who's saying what. Those are the three challenges with data. And you're telling me, PK, you've also said that actually it's not rocket science, that you don't need to outsource it because all these buyers agents make it out to you know, seem to be really difficult, whereas it's actually not. <laughs> um, you know, it's actually not that difficult. You don't need to be full-time. You don't need to understand 100 data factors. 80% of the heavy lifting is done with just five or 10 factors. You're saying, PK, I've told you that. And yes, I have. And you're also saying, PK, well, you've told us the five factors that won't really help us at all. You know, and, and those five data factors that you can kind of throw out to a large extent, a change in historical suburb values in terms of median price, number one. Number two, the median value growth rate to predict in wages, to predict short-term growth in prices. Number three, unemployment rate. Number four, population projections. Number five, auction clearance rates. Here's the, here's the carrot on the stick. The two things that you really need to watch out for and um, really do the lion's share, or you could say at least 60 to 70% of predicting what prices will do in the next um, eight months, in the next 18 months, in the next 36 months is days on market, how quickly it's taking for an agent to sell a property in that suburb on average, month on month. And the second thing is inventory levels, or in other words, stock on market. We don't want it to take, um, we don't want it to, you know, if, if you put a moratorium on, on house sales and you said that no more houses can be listed for sale in this suburb right now. How long will it take for the current listings to be sucked up, to be bought? And if that is taking more than you know six months, if that's taking more than nine months, then that's really a giveaway sign that there is too much supply on the market. All right, there's too much supply on the market. Stock on market percentage is a proxy for this for this factor as well. If stock on market as a percentage, you know, if all the properties on sale, or if all the properties existing in a suburb, if there are too many on sale at any one time, then that means supply is really high. And even if demand is super strong, days on market, if supply is very high, then prices don't grow as much. So guys, this is not rocket science. I, I, I don't want you to be overwhelmed. I don't want you to think that property price forecasting is difficult. You know, it's actually not. I know this is the opposite of what everyone says, but I don't have a secret algorithm or anything, but I just have an algorithmic way or a formulaic way of, of looking at really 30 to 35 data factors. Really, the heavy lifting is done and with under 10 of them. The rest of it is just kind of that remaining 20, uh, 20% to refine it. But anyone can learn this. Like, I'm not very intelligent. Anyone can learn this. You can learn this. You don't need to outsource it to a magician, i.e. buyer's agent. They're not doing anything different from you could do yourself, right? Um, anyone can do this. You can be a carpenter, you can be a nurse, you can be a teacher, you can be a data scientist. It is not that difficult. You just need to be able to look at numbers, 
add and subtract and follow a, a bit of a process, all right? So um, once again, hopefully that brought you value. If you're hunting for a property right now, get your hands on stock on market percentage or inventory levels. Get your hands on days on market trends and thresholds and numbers. And really, if you, if you understand those two things, you can at least save yourself from making a mistake. All property goes up in the long term, 10, 15, 20 years. The science of property investing is to make money in the next three years because on average, booms last for, like I said at the start, two to four years. If we get that 50, 70% growth in that time period, then in the long term, we will do well because we'll extract equity a couple of times and build our portfolio. Take that equity, form another deposit, two deposits, three deposits. And remember, don't try to time the Australian market boom. It is always a good time to buy property because there's always a suburb or suburbs that are booming. Right now, there are a lot of that are booming. About 96% of suburbs are going up right now. In four years' time, when the Australian property market isn't booming, there will still be suburbs that are booming or about to boom. In seven years' time, there will always be suburbs that are booming or about to boom. The science of property investing is using data right, to find the ones that are about to do well. So you can get growth initially, simultaneously be positive cash flow, and build a portfolio. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. I just want to say that again and again and again, because so many of you are frustrated, confused, and overwhelmed by what everyone is telling you. And they're telling you in a way that makes you think you need to throw up your hands and give it to the professionals. The professionals don't know any more than what you can learn in basically four to six weeks with about two or three hours of work every week in your own time. Jump in my Facebook community to learn for free. Or if you want, I really encourage you to try to do this yourself. But if you can't, um, there's a link below to the Property Investment Accelerator. And, you know, you can learn how to do this. Not only do this, but also then buy property, negotiate value, all interstate, everything done remotely by yourself so you can be self-sustaining and self-reliant. Really have the confidence, you know, to get that passive income, get your family out of the rat race. And, and yeah, that's really what we're looking for, right? My name's PK, and if you're in my Facebook community, tag someone who will value this. Please let me be in service to you. My name's PK. Have a great day. Cheers.